And so as we go into chapter 9 here, the gloom spoken of in chapter 8, Isaiah warning Judah about the coming invasion of the Assyrians, he begins to speak about Zebulon and Naphtali, uh, that those two tribes, that their inheritance, their lot, they, they settled around the Sea of Galilee. And in 2 Kings chapter 17, when you read that, that account of that time of the ten northern tribes, Hosea was the king of Israel. And he was in bondage to the Assyrian king. But what he was doing is sending messages to Egypt, trying to get Egypt to help him. And the Assyrian king found out about it. And so he would take them away captive. And they were taken off into captivity, the ten northern tribes at that time. And, and so here is Isaiah's. He speaks about the darkness that has come upon the land. And then he also, in verse 2, in Galilee of the Gentiles, you see what happened was when the Assyrians came and took the ten northern tribes away captive, they didn't take everyone away, but they left some of the people behind. And then the Assyrians came in, and they began to intermarry with the people and bring their false religion in. And what happened was that area up in Galilee began to be known as uh, Galilee of the Gentiles. And now Isaiah, he brings us hope. He brings us a word of hope that there's going to be light that's going to come into the darkness. And I think that's such an appropriate message for us here tonight as we see the darkness around us, as we're concerned what has taken place. You know, we're ones that uh, I know that as we get close to Thanksgiving, I'm very thankful for, you know, the, the blessings of the Lord. And I'm very thankful for our nation. You know, I've been in different parts of the world. I've been in incredibly difficult parts of the world, in the war zone in Sudan. And I've been in other parts where Christians are persecuted. And I've only seen a small part of it, but when I come home, I'm thankful to come home. But I also know that I'm concerned, just as you are, of what's happening in our country and in our nation, the decline that is taking place spiritually, the darkness that is around us. And we see the events that are taking place. And I go through the same emotions that you go through. You know, I, I go through those emotions of being angry. And I got to be real honest with you. This shooting in Texas really, it really struck me. It was an attack on faith. And it really hit me kind of hard when I went home Sunday as I was leaving after the three morning services, hearing the reports that were beginning to come out. And I think, Lord, what is going on here? And I don't have all the answers. And, and I struggle with those things just like you do. And just seeing the events of uh, a week ago in, in New York and, and a guy takes a truck and runs over a bunch of bicyclists, you know, on a bike path. And then even this last week in Thornton, a man walks into Walmart and he shoots three people. And, and you think, what is taking place? And this is on top of what happened in Las Vegas. And we wonder and we ponder. And one moment we can be fearful. One moment we can be angry. Another moment we're confused. We go through those kinds of things. So how is it that you and I are to respond as a Christian when we see the darkness around us? And that's on top of what we've seen, the disasters that have taken place and all the other challenges that our nation is going through. As I mentioned to you, the decline spiritually as we are you know, more and more being more hostile towards Christianity and the Lord and the Word of God. 
We're seeing that, that the word of God is, is forbidden to be spoken in, in schools, in government places, in prayer. And we wonder, don't we? And we think about those things. And we, we like to say, God bless America, but God has blessed America. And so we get concerned, and I get concerned about the church, because in the church, even as Paul would write, and I believe Paul was writing about the day in which we were living in, as he's writing to Timothy, he said, Timothy, in the last days, it is going to be perilous times. And that word perilous takes on the meaning of there in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, some of the last words of Paul the Apostle. He's saying, Timothy, in the last days, it will be perilous times. And that word perilous means very dangerous times. And he gives the characteristics of what it's going to be in men's heart, lovers of self and of money and brutals. And they're going to be fierce is what the King James says in verse 3. And it's interesting because Paul is borrowing that word from Matthew that he uses there in Matthew chapter 8. When Jesus and the disciples go to the land of the Gadarenes and they met two demoniacs that were fierce, full of violence. And I think that perhaps Paul borrowing that word from Matthew is telling us that there's going to be a lot of demonic activity that's going on in, in violence. And men are going to be fierce and we're seeing it before us, aren't we? I get concerned about the church. Now, there's a diminish away from the word of God, even as we saw here in Judah, that there was a form of religiousness. Oh, they observed the Sabbath. They had the feast. But it was, as the Lord said, even in the beginning of the book of Isaiah, that I'm weary of your sacrifices. I'm not going to hear your prayers because it's all in false worship and in pagan worship. And there was great immorality in how the church at large, when I say the church, the church at large, that churches a generation ago was holding firm to the word of God has now put the word of God aside. And they'll take bits and pieces of the word of God and, and, and use it to sound religious. But they've rejected it. And the acceptance of immorality in the church and, 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 and you know, sinful lifestyles and, and saying we're not going to address sin, I become very concerned. And even as Paul went on to say after he talked about that in perilous times they're going to be in the last days, they said, Timothy, know this, that also what's going to take place in the last days is there's going to be a falling away from the truth and people giving over to itchy ears. And they're going to be heaping up teachers to themselves, given over to fables, and they're going to fall away from the faith and fall away from the truth. And I think that we're seeing it even today. You know, I had somebody was talking to me after third service, and I have this discussion a lot of times. And he's in a Bible study where he says it's so confusing because what they're saying is one thing, and I can't really find it in the scriptures. They're saying that the church is going to grow and grow and grow, and it's going to take over the world, and we're going to usher in the second coming. And that's a very popular teaching today that's growing in the church. And you see, the Bible tells us that in the last days, that what we're going to see is there's going to be great trouble and there's going to be a false church. Listen, I pray for revival. I pray for revival before the rapture of the church. And I know that the answer for our nation is that there's a great awakening that takes place. 
And I pray that that does take place as the church gets back to the word of God and on its knees and praying for our nation and praying that there be repentance and turning away from sin. You see, it's a greater problem in our nation than just a political problem or an economic problem. There's a spiritual dimension that is overriding all of this. And we are a nation that continues to abort a million unborn children every year. We are a nation that is involved in such great perversity that we're seeing that the the sex slave industry is growing phenomenally, taking our young people into the young girls into that industry that are taken. And, and it used to be 20 years ago, you heard about that in Bangkok or somewhere like that. It is right here in our own backyards. And the pornography industry, listen, has a greater revenue than the National Football League, the National Basketball Association, and Major League Baseball, all the revenue of those three leagues put together. That's how prevalent it is. And it is getting dark. And the church is getting away from the pure word of God and calling for holiness and righteousness and for prayer for this nation. And I'll tell you the answer for our nation because I don't have all the answers and how to solve all the problems politically, economically, but I do know spiritually that we get back to praying and we get back to praying for our nation and getting on our knees and repenting of our sins. You know, whenever you read David and you read Nehemiah, you read Jeremiah, uh, you read uh, Daniel, when they were praying for the nation, they said, we have sinned, we have sinned. They were linked to our nation. And that's my prayer. Lord, the church, we've gotten away from you. Our nation has gotten away from you. And what is the answer for us? That in the darkness that we bring the light, I do know that. Because you are a vessel of light to be able to bring light into the darkness around you. For you to bring light into your workplace, into your family, into your neighborhood. And I would encourage you to do that. You see, here we see that as Isaiah is talking about the coming Messiah that's going to come, that we know that Matthew in chapter 4, he says when Jesus began his ministry in the Galilee in this area of the Galilee of the Gentiles, and uh, Zebulon and Naphtali were, that Matthew says fulfilled was Jesus as he came on the scene, as spoken of with the prophet Isaiah here in chapter 9. Light did come and was seen by the people. And, and light had dawned, the light of the world, Jesus Christ. And we need to be the light of Jesus Christ to others in this dark world. I know that's the answer. And for us to be praying. And we live in a different world. And we'll have all the debates and the talk about what we're to do and things like that. And we as a church, we got to think about security. That's, every business has to. Every Walmart, every grocery store, every you know, business has to do it in the church. And, and we're going to have guys at the door and we're going to watch out for each other and we're going to take care of each other. Amen? And those guys are there to serve you. And not just for, to watch the doors, but also to serve you in case one of the kids gets sick or there's a medical emergency or your car doesn't start. If something doesn't look right, you can go and get those guys and they're there to serve you in this fellowship. But we need each other and we need to be praying and praying more than ever that, Lord, you protect this church. I really believe that God wants to use Calvary Chapel Greeley in a powerful way. 
in the days ahead to be a light in the darkness. And here is Isaiah giving a message of hope, and that's what I want to give to us. He is our hope. He is the light that we are to shine to others because people are wondering, people are wondering what is the answer. So here as he says that those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined, and we can give that, that message of light and truth to others. And you have multiplied the nation and increased its joy. They rejoice before you according to the joy of harvest. Verse 3, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For you have broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor as in the day of Midian. For every warrior's sandal from the noisy battle and from garments rolled in blood will be used for burning and fuel of fire. And so Jesus came. It would bring joy to the people, rejoicing like at harvest time, rejoicing as if dividing the spoils as in the day of Midian. And that reminds you of what? Judges chapter 7. Remember Gideon and his 300 men that that would to battle against 135,000 Midianites and they blew the trumpet and they took the clay pots and they broke the clay pots and as the wind came in and hit those coals that all of a sudden the light burst forced. The light went forth. And there was a great victory. You know, in the brokenness of our lives, because Paul in 2 Corinthians says, we're earthen vessels that we have this treasure in. And even in the brokenness of our own lives, we're all, you know, earthen vessels. We're all clay pots. We're pretty earthy, aren't we? Some of us are more earthy than others, maybe. I don't know. But we have this treasure. And even though people might think we're crackpots, you know, you guys, you weird Christians, that in us is the excellency of the glory of God, as Paul would write in 2 Corinthians, and that light to shine forth. And there's going to be great victory as we do that in people's lives. Will you share that with others? You and I have the privilege to be living in this day and age in which we are in, to be a light to others in a darkness, in a time that, like no other time in history, that we are rushing towards the return of the Lord. And we have opportunity to be that light and to be that truth to others, to bring people to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what we are to be about in our priority and to be praying. You know, I was listening. You know, a lot of you know that Billy Graham, it was his 99th birthday yesterday. And so, you know, he's entering into his 100th year, the nation's pastor. And and I was listening to him as he's speaking for revival in our nation. He says, I pray for it in that very soft, very weak voice. But you can still sense the passion that he has for God's word. And he's saying what the answer is, we need to be surrendered to Christ and be reading our Bibles and be not neglecting prayer, praying every day. Just getting back to the basics of what the Bible tells us, even as the early church continues steadfastly in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, in the word of God in prayer and breaking of bread and in fellowship. And that's what we're to continue on and and being a light to others. Listen, bring people to church. Bring them. Listen, I know Sunday that it was packed out Sunday. We, We almost didn't have enough room, particularly at the 930 service. You keep bringing people, I'll do the services. 
okay? You bring the people, I'll do the services if we have to go to another service. And we'll keep giving truth and light to them as long as I got breath. We'll go through the scriptures and we'll give God's word and we'll give them God's love. And let's be praying for our community and for our neighborhoods and for our coworkers. So here, you know, it's going to be such great joy as, as this light comes and it would. And the victory is going to be complete when Jesus Christ returns. So in the darkness today, we need to give light. Jesus Christ. And then in verse 6, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice. From that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. In the midst of this difficult message that Isaiah was giving was a message and a word of hope from God that for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, the promised son, the promised deliverer. A child is born, speaking of his humanity, and a son is given, speaking of his deity. In John chapter 3, you know the verse that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. A son is given your hope and your deliverer. And I love that Christmas story of Luke chapter 2 at a time when the people were afraid and the birth of Jesus as the angels came to the shepherds out in the field at night and said, don't be afraid for I bring you good tidings of great joy which will be to all peoples, not just to you shepherds, not just to the people of Israel, but to all peoples. They're born in the city of David, a Savior, Christ the Lord. Even as it is Isaiah that said in chapter 7 that a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and his name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. People are afraid around us. Maybe you might have fear in your own life. And maybe it has nothing to do with what you see happening around us or the world situation or the violence we see. Maybe it has to do with the circumstances that you're facing personally. Maybe it has to do with your children. Maybe it has to do uh, with your finances. Maybe it has to do with your health and you're afraid. And the Lord comes along and he tells us, you don't have to be afraid because Emmanuel, God is with us and he promised he'll never leave us or forsake us. So in this promise here, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, this one, this, this child that is born and a son is given. He, he, the nations were in, in turmoil at this time, just as it is today. Man, we see the turmoil around us. We see what's happening with you know, the tensions with North Korea and in the Middle East. And I got a couple articles today from a, from a source in Israel talking about how the tension between Saudi Arabia and Iran is at a boiling point. That Saudi Arabia is actually looking at Israel to do something about Iran, to at attack Iran. 
that they're being threatened. Haaretz, the newspaper articles, saying that war is very possible very, very soon. And what is interesting about that, that as we read Ezekiel 38, in all those nations that come together, that there's going to be this confederation of nations that will come against Israel, led by Russia and Iran, and we see them just maybe 100 miles from the border of Israel in Syria, their troops. But we also know that there's other players that are mentioned in Ezekiel 38, and that is Dan and Dedan, which is Saudi Arabia, is going to be protesting on behalf of Israel. We are seeing that even today starting to be fulfilled. Saudi Arabia has always been an enemy of Israel. Why would Saudi Arabia protest on behalf of Israel if they were threatened? And they're being threatened by Iran. And you look at the Bible and you see that the world isn't getting rosier and cheerier. The young man that I talked about, he said that what I'm being told is the Christian church is going to grow and it's going to grow and grow with super apostles and prophets. And then we're going to usher in the second coming that Jesus Christ has really already come back. And and all those prophecies were fulfilled by 70 A.D. The day of the Lord has not happened yet. And we're going to read a lot about the day of the Lord as we go through Isaiah and as we go through Jeremiah, as we go through Ezekiel, and as we look at Daniel, which he calls the time of Jacob's trouble. And the Lord has not come back. And he is going to establish his kingdom. And the government will be upon his shoulder. And we're going to see that the church isn't going to grow and grow. Listen, I'm not saying that the church isn't is ineffective and dead. The Lord's going to use those who are faithful to him. But we also know that the book of Revelation talks about there's going to be a worldwide false church that's going to be on the scene. And you see, in the midst of even that difficulty in the day of the Lord, the Lord's going to come back and he will establish his kingdom and we're going to come back with him. And I believe that as we look at the scripture, it's very clear that these things, even as Isaiah said, will come to pass in the last days, in the latter days. That we're still in the day of grace, but the time's going to come where he's going to come for his church. And the trumpet's going to blow, and there's going to be a generation of Christians that are going to be taken, and then after that is going to begin the day of the Lord. So we are in a time of grace. We are in a time when we can effectively minister to others and God still wants to save and he still wants to work. And it's going to be those who are committed to the word of God who are on their knees praying that are desiring to see God work in a powerful way. So here his government shall be upon his shoulder. He's going to come and um, in his government there will be peace there will be no end and his name shall be called wonderful which speaks of his amazing glorious work remember Luke chapter 9 that the people marveled at all the things that he did the glorious and wonderful work that he did in going to the cross for you and for me as we're even going to see on this Sunday he is called the counselor now some say this is a fourfold name or a fivefold name is it wonderful counselor is that separate or is that together Does it really matter? He's the wonderful counselor, isn't he? So many voices in the world, and he's the wonderful counselor. 
Jesus said in John chapter 6, the words that I speak are spirit and life. And Peter would say that you have the words of eternal life. And in Colossians chapter 2 declares, in him is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And don't be cheated by philosophy and empty deceit and traditions of men according to the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ. And Jesus declared before he went to the cross that I am the truth. And he wants to establish you and me in that truth. Just as it was Isaiah that said to Ahaz, Ahaz, if you don't believe the word of the Lord, you will not be established. Listen, if you and I will not believe the word of the Lord and the commandments of the Lord and the promises of the Lord, we will not be established. And we're going to find ourselves being tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine that comes blowing through or every philosophy of man that changes all the time. And you will not be established. We will be established in truth as we heed the word of God in our lives. So Jesus is the truth. Wanting to guide you and I in truth. Getting back to the word of God. Studying the word of God. Knowing the word of God. And he is also thirdly the mighty God. He's the mighty God. He's the God of all creation and, and, and glory and might, mighty is our Lord. He's mighty to save, as even as we were proclaiming here tonight. There is no problem, in other words, for, that is too big for him to work. And he is fourthly the everlasting Father. He's the creator of all. He is eternal. He's the source of all eternity. Paul writes in Colossians chapter 1, For by him all things were created that are in heaven, that are on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones, dominions, principalities, or powers. All things were created through him. All things were created for him. Will you remember that? You were created for him. Revelation chapter 4, that we know that the four living creatures and the 24 elders, their message at the throne of God is that you are created for his good pleasures. We know that Ephesians chapter 2 tells us that we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. You are created for him, and listen, anything less than that is going to leave you empty. You are created for him, for his glory, for his purposes, to be his workmanship, for good works. And if you take that and put it aside and say, I'm going to live for myself, you're going to be empty and you're going to be miserable. And you're going to miss out on the abundant life that he has for you. He is fifthly the Prince of Peace. He's the one that gives us peace. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, for he himself, you know, is our peace. He brings us peace with God through his death and burial and resurrection. And then he desires to give us the peace of God. So Paul writes in Philippians that be anxious for nothing, but through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God and the peace of God that passes understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So he's the one. He, he is the, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace, as we read. And the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, 
to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. It's going to happen. And the Lord sent a word against Jacob, and it has fallen on Israel. All the people will know Ephraim and the inhabitant of Samaria, who say in pride and arrogance of heart, the bricks have fallen down, but we will rebuild with hewn stones, and the sycamores are cut down, but we will replace them as cedars. Therefore, the Lord shall set up the adversaries of reason against him, spur his enemies on, the Syrians before and the Philistines behind, and they shall devour Israel with an open mouth. Israel, the northern kingdom, we see here, they were filled with pride and arrogance, and Assyria would devastate Syria and come in and then again take the ten northern tribes of Israel. And listen, this is amazing. In their pride, they say, we're going to rebuild. We're going to be stronger than, and better. We're going to build with bigger stones and plant bigger trees. And they refused their turn to the Lord and they would be cut off. It's a message for us. If we think that as a nation, if we think that in our own lives that we think we can build bigger and, and stronger apart from the Lord, we are deceived. We are deceived and prideful. And it's like the Lord is saying, you're deceiving yourself. For all this, his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. And for the people do not turn to him who strikes them, nor do they seek the Lord of hosts. Therefore the Lord will cut off the head and the tail from Israel, palm branch and bulrush in one day. The elder and honorable, he is the head. The prophet who teaches lies, he is the tail. For the leaders of this people cause them to err, and those who are led by them are destroyed. Therefore the Lord will have no joy in their young men, nor have mercy in their fatherless and widows. For everyone is a hypocrite and an evildoer, and every mouth speaks folly. For all his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. So in these verses... The leaders, the political, religious leaders led the people astray. Isaiah told the truth, but they believed a lie. You know, in 2 Chronicles chapter 18, very quickly, Ahab, the king of Israel, terrible king, and Jehoshaphat, who is actually a good king of Judah, they're together. And all of a sudden, Ahab says, hey, Jehoshaphat, why don't you join me in going to war against the Syrians? And Jehoshaphat says, do you got a prophet in the land that we can seek God's wisdom and God's word on this? So he says, yeah, I got these guys. So these 400 guys come along, and they begin to... to throw dirt in the air and be all dramatic and, you know, go Ahab and attack the Syrians and you're going to gore them, you know, and they're doing this and all this. And Jehoshaphat says, I don't know about these guys, you know. And so do you got anybody else? One who's a, a prophet of the Lord. And he says, yeah, I got this guy, Micaiah. He says, bring Micaiah, Jehoshaphat says. Bring him in. Let's see what he has to say. So they bring Micaiah and said, Micaiah, should we go to war against the Syrians? And Micaiah says, you know what? You can go to war against the Syrians, but this is what's going to happen. The Ahab, the Syrians are going to clean your clock. And you're a dead man. And there's Ahab going, see, he never says anything good about me. We have the word to give to others. You know, the majority of people are going to, you know, uh, say all kinds of things and go with what the world is saying and what is popular and what is, 
you know, being all inclusive, whatever. You give the truth. And there may be those who say, see, you don't say anything good. You give truth. And you may be the only voice that is given truth. You may be the only voice given truth in that workplace or in your family or at school. But you give the truth. You know what happened to Ahab? They got their clock clean and he ended up dying, just as the prophet of God said. And we can give God's word, speak the truth in love, and give it to people. You know, it reminds me of uh, the flood. Noah's there. He's a preacher of righteousness. 120 years he's preaching, and people are probably laughing at him. Look at this old coot, you know, building an ark. And he's saying, judgment's going to come. It's going to rain. And, and all of a sudden, it began to rain, and a whole lot of people were wrong, and eight people were right. You're going to be in the minority is what my point is. But you give the truth in the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. Take him to Calvary. Give them the hope of salvation that comes through repentance and turning to Jesus Christ and surrendering to him. Don't be afraid to give that message. And so Isaiah is saying here that they're not going to do that. But for wickedness, verse 18, as we finish quickly here, burns as the fire and shall devour the briars and the thorns and kindle the thickets of the forest. They shall mount up like rising smoke, though the wrath of the Lord of hosts, the land is burned up. And the people shall, shall be as fuel for the fire. No man shall spare his brother. And he shall snatch on the right hand and be hungry. He shall devour on the left hand and not be satisfied. And every man shall eat the flesh of his own arm. And Manasseh shall devour Ephraim, and Ephraim and Manasseh together shall, shall be against Judah. It is going to be so bad that they're going to eat their own flesh because they refuse to repent. The hardness of men's heart. Listen, we don't want to get hard, do we? We want to make sure that we're taking the word of God, working it into our hearts, surrender to the Lord, and Lord, I want to walk with you because you have abundant life to give to me and you love me and you want the very best for me. And you say, stay away from sin because it's going to hold you in bondage and it's going to do you in and it's going to wipe you out and it's going to lead you into darkness. Peter comes along and he says that we've been brought out of the darkness into his marvelous light. And that's good news. So in the darkness around us be light and tell others they can come out of that darkness into the marvelous light through Jesus Christ who loves them and died for them. So, Father, we thank you for this, this, this chapter that I'm sure I didn't do it justice as we went through it because there's so much that is there and so much that you want to, to show us and pass along to us the incredible, incredible message of that there is hope, the one that was born, that came, born as the babe of Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. And as we're going to see, the reason that he came was to die. To die on that cross so that we can be forgiven. So that we can have the hope of heaven and right relationship with the Father. And the incredible love of Jesus for us. Oh, his grace and mercy that we can give that message of hope and give the cross to others 
So wonder Paul said to the Corinthians, I come preaching nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. And that's what we want to be about. So Lord, I pray that tonight is, is tonight we just, Lord, we're reminded of what we're to be about in these dark days. And that is to be light and to be praying and to take heed to your word and not to diminish it not to look to Egypt, the world, for our hope. We know it's, it's not going to be the politics or the economy. It, Lord, we want honest politicians. We want the economy to be good. I, I, I want things to be good for my kids as they get older. But, Lord, more than anything above that is we need you because you are the answer. Lord, in our lives and in our families, in the church and in the land, in this nation. And I pray that there be a turning to you and repenting of our sins and a looking to you for everything that our leaders would humble themselves and recognize our need for you. That again, as we have prayed, a great awakening would happen that we would be vessels of light. Lord, that you would use Calvary Chapel in our community and use us individually in the places that you have us. Lord, I thank you for your love. I thank you that we're here to be able to minister in the day in which we're living in. And you haven't given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and sound mind. And I pray if there's anything that is in our lives that is affecting our fellowship with you and our closeness with you, ignoring your word, being prideful, Lord, entertaining sin, carnality, that we would turn away from it and turn to you and call out to you and surrender to you. Lord, that we be vessels of truth as well given to others, even though we will be a minority but to give truth in love. And Father, I pray you bless everyone here now as we go our way. And thank you for this time that we've had together. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you please stand?